This is Becca Millhaven, Just Saying, in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm Tom Becca. And I'm, I'm McGraw Millhaven in St. Louis. McGraw, happy, well, I guess a uh, little uh, happy day after Halloween or a couple days after Halloween. Okay, so people that don't know you or maybe just know you through this podcast don't know the guy that I've known now for what? Jeez, well over 25, almost 30 years. So um, the, the McGraw that I knew hated I mean, hated Halloween, did not understand why people dressed up, was not a fan, hated Halloween. Now, the McGraw that is of today is the father of a three-year-old daughter, a lovely child named Emerson. And uh, so how does the McGraw that hates Halloween reconcile that with a three-year-old that loves the holiday? It is so, it's so interesting because... Of all the topics, of all the shows I've done, this one seems to resonate with the audience more than any other. And people are can't wait to tell me, oh, you used to hate Halloween, now you love it. Oh my goodness, why do you, you got a three-year-old, what do you do about Halloween, right? Look, I've always said I hated Halloween, that adults ruin it, adults go way too far, it's a, it's it's a holiday for little kids to dress up as their favorite Disney character, right? Is have carve some pumpkins. I didn't mind any of that stuff. That's all fine. It's the sexy Dorothy Halloween costume that you're like, okay, that's a little creepy, right? Or the oh Heidi- wait, wait wait wait. So you got some woman dressed sexy as what Dorothy from Wizard of Oz, and that's creepy to you. Yeah, that's a little creepy to me. Um, or how about, 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 about a sexy nurse? Is that creepy? Yeah, that's 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 creepy too. Yeah. Is um, it, so, so is it a sexy thing that is the creepy part for you? It's it's the whole it's the whole thing. It's the it's the terroristic threat, trick or treat. Um, give me a treat, or I'll or I'll egg your house. It's the the <laughs> whole the whole connection to the occult, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. Right? This whole it's it's just, I don't like any of it. But yes, I have a three year old daughter. And she, you know, as every three-year-old daughter likes candies, every three-year-old daughter wanted to dress up as a Disney character. And so, you know what? I did it. I put on a happy face. I carved pumpkins. We took her around to a couple of houses of, of people we knew. And she got some candy. And she couldn't have been any happier. We then went home. We had some chili. She stayed up for a little late and gave candy to other kids who came to the door. It was a wonderful, wonderful evening. However, let me ask you this question, Tom Becca. Yes, sir. You ever been with a girl you really didn't like, but you went on a date and you sort of just, or you liked the girl, but you didn't want to go to the opera, but you went to the opera anyway and pretended to like it because that's what the girl wanted? Do you ever have a family member you can't stand, but you went to Thanksgiving dinner and had a nice time and put on a happy face even though you couldn't stand it? That was me with Halloween. Well, as far as a family member goes, I am that family member for the rest of the family. So that doesn't really count. <laughs> that really doesn't count. Um, as you far ever, as, have you ever gone to the... I see, I see the analogy you're making, but it's a little bit... Well, no, and I understand. Look, I get it. I get it. You're the dad. You got to do it. You can't, you know, you can't be, you know, you can't be in the McGraw that I knew, you know, back in the day. Uh, but it just brings me such joy and such, such a smile on my face. To just, know that I'm hating every second of it. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it, it brings me much happiness to just think of you as being that dad 
walking her around town, and she's begging people for candy because dad's too cheap to buy a Milky Way bar. I just well, love it. Well, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. So we're leaving last night, and she walks past the bowl of candy that we're giving away to other kids. And she was like, well, why don't I just take this candy? Why am I going to get And I'm like, no, 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 you have to go out and get candy. She's like, but you have candy right here. I was like, lady, I don't understand it either, but the rules say you got to go out and get somebody else's free candy. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, funny. that's but I, funny. But I do have a bone to pick with my sister. Why? So my one sister's in town uh-huh. and she FaceTimes my other sister. And, you know, we're talking, you know, Oh, look at the pumpkins. And so I'm, I'm carving pumpkins last night, right? Yesterday afternoon, getting ready for the event. And my sister looks at my carved pumpkins. That's not a euphemism for anything. They were actually carved pumpkins. And <laughs> she was like, your sister was checking out your, you have missed carved pumpkin. Yeah. yeah. So she was like, wow, those are really good. Wow. Those are fantastic. And then she sees in the FaceTime that I'm using a pattern, right? That I have a pattern that I used for the pumpkins. And she says, oh, that doesn't count. You used a pattern. It was like, what are you talking about? It, this is a, everybody uses some type of pattern. Everybody uses some type of structure. You don't just start building the Mount Rushmore and not have a plan. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And so she was like, that doesn't count. You're using you're using a pattern. I was like, get over yourself. So what if if I used a pattern, they still came out good. I love how you equate you carving a pumpkin with Mount Rushmore. <laughs> well, Mount Rushmore, like, they didn't like, the guy just didn't start chiseling. He kind of had a plan, right? He kind of went off a picture or something, didn't he? I, I assume there probably was some, uh, you know, some blueprint involved somewhere. Yes, somewhere, a small model somewhere, right? I mean, people people use models when they when they when they needlepoint, right? They have patterns that they use for needlepoint. They, you know, they use all sorts of. Someone's like, oh, you really didn't make that. Why? Because you used a power tool. It wasn't handmade. No, it was handmade. And yes, I used a power tool. Give me a. Do you, break. Do you ever watch? You ever watch Shark Tank? I watch Shark Tank. I love Shark Tank. I love Shark Tank. It really is. It's a guilty pleasure. So they had the Halloween version last week, right? And um, there's some, and they were starting to like sell their Halloween product. And I don't know if any of the sharks bought any of these Halloween products. But one of the ones that um, uh, they were, one guy was trying to pitch, there's a company out there, evidently, that they will go and carve the pumpkin for you. And, and, and then, um, you know, but it's a very elaborate. I mean, it's the same sort of thing. You know, like you said with the, you know, with the the models or the, you know, right. the, you know, the, and all that. And and uh, but they charge like you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars for this. It's like a pumpkin will cost you like six, seven, eight hundred dollars. You know, to to have them do and, and carve their carve your pumpkin for you. I mean, it's like God bless uh, entrepreneurship and God bless Yankee ingenuity. But I'll be damned if I'm paying eight hundred bucks to have well, some guy who carved my pumpkin. And that's you know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like to carve her pumpkins. Um, <laughs> so, I, you know, it's handmade. I'm assuming it, it's not, you know, some some computer generated 3D printed pumpkin. Oh, right? no, it's, I'm not it's, watching them. It's 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 hand carved, so it's costing money. So, a couple weeks ago, in the summer, I was, um, and this is this gets into like handmade versus quality versus you know made in China sent over here. So I was looking for a couple of planters 
for my front yard. And I decided that I was going to make some. So I drew up a plan. Sorry, Linda, that I had a plan, right? I drew it up in this, this, this little sort of notebook I have that I doodle with to sort of, you know, how I want it to look. Right. And so I took that, that plan and then I made these planters and I made two of them and they're sitting outside my house on a Saturday afternoon and I finished making them and I'm standing in the street, admiring my work. This guy walks by neighbor walking his dog. He's like, wow, those are, wow. Those are really nice. And I was like, oh, thank you very much. He says, did you, did you make those? I go, yeah. He goes, wow, those are really nice. He says, you know, my wife and I were talking about getting planters. Um, you know, how, 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 how much? And I was like, I was like, oh, well, they're not for sale. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, how much, how much to make me two of those? And I was like, oh, no, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really make them for anybody. I just sort of do it for therapy and, you know, I'm sort of a woodworker, but yeah. I, you know, I just like to do it from for myself. He goes, no, 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 seriously, how much? I'm like, look, sir, it's 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 really not worth it. You can find them cheaper other places. Um, I said, but you know, I I had the time. I didn't see what I wanted online, so I went and I made these. So after five minutes of me saying no, 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 and this guy demanding me tell him how much, I said to the guy, I was like, I, I don't know, six hundred bucks a piece. 600 bucks a piece. That's highway robbery. I would never pay that much. And then the guy keeps walking. And I was like, I didn't ask you. I wasn't trying to sell them to you. People don't understand that handmade quality costs extra money. They want everything for $9.95 made from, from China and shipped to Walmart. Well, basically what you did is you said, I want to price these so outrageous. The guy will walk away. So you got what you wanted. Well, no, I, I yeah, priced I mean, them. Uh, I priced them to the point it was worth my time to do it. Yeah. 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 No. And, and, and it, it took me, I don't know, two hours, three hours to do each one. And, you know, I had to go and get the materials. I had to design it. I had to this, I did that. And I was like, yeah, you want them done 600 bucks. He's like, you're crazy. I was like, I didn't ask you to buy him. So if you compare your pumpkins to Mount Rushmore, are these planters more like the Sistine Chapel, uh, the Mona Lisa? Where, where do your planters fit in? Oddly enough, the Sistine Chapel debuted today in 1512. <laughs> there's, there's the old radio guy I know. <laughs> hey, and happy birthday to Tony Randall, who would have been 94 today. I mean, what the hell? I mean, just. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, one more Halloween thing, and then I'll move on to other topics. Um, I um, I so what I the, the last trouble of Halloween's. Uh, I've been busy doing other stuff on Halloween, so I wasn't able to be home, but I don't want to be the guy with the lot, patio light off and all that stuff, right? So I've yeah. put, you know, bowls of chocolate or candy, you know, on my porch, and, you know, then they would come and they would, you know, take a piece or two and move on. Every year I would come home and there would still be candy left in the bowl. Nice. So this year, I go, you know what? I, I just don't feel like messing with it. So what I did was I, I was home, but I went and I just put the ball on the porch and said, you know, knock yourself out, kids, right? So I put the ball out like at, at 6.30. 7.15, there's a kid at my door yelling trick or treat. And I said, no, 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 there's there's candy in the bowl. No. The damn bowl was empty. Somebody had gone and just taken all the candy, but it even gets worse. There was a, so I get on our neighborhood, you know, the neighborhood app, you know, the next door app or whatever it is. And, and evidently there was like some adults driving around town, just 
emptying bowls of candy like that. They were like looking for what I had, and they were picking it up and then taking it. Um, you know, and they, they, well, I guess they got one of these, uh, one of these ring cameras or whatever, got one of the guys. My camera didn't pick him up, so I don't know, but, um, hold on a second. You were home, but you had the bowl of candy outside. I don't want to mess with it. Hmm. I don't want to mess with it. You know, I don't clearly, have, I don't have, a, were, I don't have a three year old. You know, here's your candy. You were clearly too lazy to open up the door and hand the candy to somebody. So you said, just, just, just take a candy bar, one per customer, and leave the rest for, for somebody else. Yeah, we just met. <laughs> so that, listen to this, that same exact thing happened to my producer on the radio show here in St. Louis. Uh-huh. He he, um, he bought this new house, uh, but he was going over to his parents' house for Halloween last night. And um, his wife was like, I, I, I feel bad. Can we just put a bowl of candy out? And she made this really nice sign. We're not home, but please take a piece of candy and happy Halloween. They have a ring camera. The second guy walked up. He, they, they said he looked like he was 25. He saw the sign, saw the bowl of candy, saw his bag, looked at the bowl of candy, looked at the ring camera, took the bag of candy, dumped it on his bag, and walked out. People so are, it's a thing. People are just bad people. Some people are just bad people. So another reason why I hate Halloween. Because uh, an, another reason why I hate people. <laughs> hey, it's reciprocal. It's reciprocal. Um, hey, let, let's uh, let's take a quick break here. Take a quick break if you're listening on uh, the Big Five Fifty KTRS, of course, for the podcast. Uh, you're listening whenever you want to listen, but we're also heard Thursday nights on the Big Five Fifty KTRS in St. Louis. We'll take a quick break here. More coming up. This is Beckett Millhaven. Just saying. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. We are back. I'm Tom Beckett. He's McGraw Millhaven. Uh, real quick, I, I want to ask you this, and I, this is probably a conversation you and I should have off the air or off the podcast, but um, uh, I was thinking about this when you were talking about your handmade um, uh, platters. Um, you and you and I talked about you're looking at maybe getting involved in another business venture, which I think is a fascinating idea, which is where you will go and you will interview uh, people's fathers, uh, their parents, their grandparents, uh, elders that you know to find out more about the stories that these people won't tell. Because the idea is, and I believe this to be true, 
that a father or grandfather may not tell the kids some of the stories about them growing up, but they would tell a stranger. And this way, this way that uh, the uh, the family can get some stories that they might not have gotten elsewhere. And you were going to start a company like this, and I know it's been a month or so. Are you making any progress on this? Are you doing this? So it's not my company. It's a company that already exists. It's uh-huh. called My My Sound Story. And uh, Joe Buck, legendary broadcaster, uh, he's a, an investor in this. Also, uh, Tim McKernan, one of the radio guys here in town, he is um, – He's the guy who sort of is doing it, and I'm just sort of. He asked me to be one of the um, one of the interviewers, and so uh, yeah, we just started advertising it on uh, KTRS, and it's um, it's going gangbusters because um, I don't, you know, it's one thing to you know take a video of a snippet of your grandmother and hold on to it, or take a voicemail of your you know loved ones and hold on to it, but as you and I know, as interviewers. You, you sit people down and you get them to say things they wouldn't normally say. You get them to say things that they didn't even plan on saying or that they had forgotten or that then reminds them of a story. And so there's a dynamic that that sort of takes part in an interviewer with an, with an, with an interviewee and a lot of magic happens. And so you don't normally get that. So they're doing this sound story. And if I can give it a cheap, quick plug, mysoundstory.com, you can go and register. And if you're in St. Louis, you can register with a with an interviewer for an hour, and um, it's all done professionally. It's done edited, and then you get this as a keepsake, and it's extremely reasonable. Now, uh, is that video and audio, or just audio? Either one. You could do video. You, you could do audio, both, whatever. Now, I know this to be true because my dad was a World War II vet, and growing up, whenever I asked him, I said, "Dad, what do you do in the war?" Oh, I was a cook. Well, what do you do? I was just a cook. I mean, he always dismissed it, right? So. Uh, another friend of mine was doing a living history of World War II vets because these guys were getting old, right? They're in their late seventies now, and that, and so he was doing a a uh, like a, a living history of some of these guys. So, so he thought this this friend of mine talks to my dad about this, and my dad tells him, "My dad fought in the Battle of the Bulge." You know, of course, that was never brought up as a kid. I didn't know that. He never talked to me about it. He was always very proud of his military service, always proud of uh, what he did, but he never, he never like, you know, talked about any of the battles or any of the combat he saw. And then yet when uh, my, uh, my friend was talking to him about it, he opened up and then we went and uh, uh, requested uh, my dad, after my dad passed away, we requested his military records and saw, yeah, my dad, my dad saw some action, but he never talked to us about it. So did you ever ask him why, why he never talked to you about it? I never asked him specifically that, and I think I may have told this story before. I did take him to, uh, towards the end. Uh, I did take him to see uh, Saving Private Ryan, and this is the other 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 aspect of this. So I took him to see Saving Private Ryan, and um, after watching the movie, and by the way, which again the 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 the, the, the final scene of that movie when the fan and the 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 soldiers and old man and asking if it was worth it. I mean that that just you know melts my heart. Anyway, yeah. So um. So we're driving home from watching Saving Private Ryan, and my dad starts talking about some of the things he saw. He starts talking about friends of his that didn't come back or friends of his that came back a shell of a man, and he's talking about this. And because I had gone my whole life with my dad never really opening up about this sort of a thing, and because he never really talked about it before, I felt so uncomfortable. 
I could talk to anybody else's father about yeah. that for hours. Yeah. I couldn't talk to my own dad about it. So I think that I think that what you're onto here, I think, is you're onto something. I think I think this is uh, uh, you know something that, uh, that 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 has some merit because I do think that um, you know family dynamics being what they are, you know they they won't necessarily you know tell yeah. the uh, you know tell the kids or whatever you know. But if uh, you had somebody else asking, then very likely they're going to open up. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. We'll see what happens. Anyway, mysoundstory.com. Hey, I wanted to ask you, um, in your other life, you're a, a real estate agent. Yes, I am. Um, what do you make of this story coming out of um, Kansas City where the jury awarded $1.8 billion in a class action lawsuit against a couple of big real estate companies for basically collusion on real estate commissions? Well, you know, here's the thing. I mean, yeah, there is basically a... Uh, you know, a, a form, you know, I mean, uh, if, if, if I'm listing a house uh, here in Nebraska, and I don't know what the laws are in Missouri, but if I'm listing a house here in Nebraska uh, and you're, you're another agent, you want to show the house, but you want to buy a house for your client, that agent will receive 2.4% of um, of the commission uh, that uh, uh, after the house closes. So I don't have a problem with it in that, I mean, I don't, I don't have a problem with, 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 with that being like the agreement because it's a thing where it's like, it's still people are like, you know, people are are, are, are um, agreeing to it. You know, I mean, I normally charge 6%, all right? Now I know there are other, look, you could go on, on one of these online uh, brokerages and you could try something else and that may work well for you. I give my clients a lot of service. I, I go out of my way. I go out of my way to make sure that the pictures are right, that we're advertising it properly, that we're getting uh, the, uh, you know, the the, the viewers and, and that we're getting people to know that that house is available. So I go out of my way for that. Now, if you just want to go with whatever the algorithms send your way and, and do something online, that you have that opportunity. There are other options out there. This is what we do. And if you don't like it, then take another option. Yeah, but uh, the judge, but the judge or the jury ruled that it's collusion. The, the jury says, they, and I, I don't, I'm certainly no lawyer, but the jury, the jury kind of said that you really can't negotiate con uh, uh, um, commissions and that it is sort of a sort of shell game. And if you're buying a house, right, the buyer, if, if the seller's agent offers 1% to the person who's working with the buyer, right, they're going to steer me into a house where I have a higher commission. That's what the that's what the jury's saying. And so $1.8 billion, they're saying this is going to change the, the real estate commission game forever. Well, it's going to uh, be appealed and it'll be in the courts and it'll be around for a long time. And there's some other lawsuits uh, going on. So uh, we'll wait and see just how it all plays out. But um, yeah, but, but hold on a second. But hold on. A second. That's the that's the court case. But the ramifications for real estate commissions going forward, are they going to change? Are, are you going to be where you say, hey, you know what, I'll be this, I'll list your house and I'll list it at 2.5% and the buyer, whoever's working with the buyer, you're on your own to get whatever money you get. That, that, ain't, that ain't my problem. Well, I don't know. I, mean, I think that that's sort of a... Um... I don't. I don't agree with the court. I don't. I don't. I think it's more of the situation in my in my mind, at least. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, but uh, we'll see how, well, how this all. They're, they're saying it's broken. But well, I'm saying it's not. Point. 
Well, okay, but the court, but the court said it's it's broken to the tune of one point eight billion dollars. I well, mean, I I agree with you in that. In in, in a, I, I I see your point of view a thousand percent. I've bought and sold homes, and I've had real estate agents that I was more than happy to pay my full commission to because of the price I got on the house and the customer service I got and the expertise I got for staging the house. And then I didn't have to be home at noon on Tuesday to show the house and setting up the systems and then negotiating and they know the ins and outs and ups and downs. And so I, 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 I got what I felt was more service than for my money. There are people though who want to sell for sale by owner, right? There are people who, you know, they have those sort of 99, 99 list your house, put it in out there and you know, you're on your own, right? So there's all levels of service. I, I see all of that and, and I, I get all of that. Um, but I also see how buyers, you know, kind of don't think they're paying the real estate commission, but they kind of are. And the agent is kind of working for them, but not really working for them, but sometimes working for them. And then you got the dual agency. Oh, no, 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 wait, 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 no. No, the agent, look, I'm always working for my buyer's best interest. If I'm representing the buyer in, 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 in it, I'm I'm always working in his best interest. Or as, best a buy, interest. as a buyer's agent. Yeah. Yes. There are agents who work with buyers who aren't buyer's agents. And then, of course, you have the whole dual agency where, you know, if you have a buyer and a, if you have a seller and you have a buyer and the buyer's selling the seller's house, you know, who does the agent work for there? Well, that, okay. So uh, yeah, I'm going with Nebraska laws and not Missouri or any other state. But yeah. in Nebraska for a dual agency, that, that has to be signed up by my brokerage, has to be signed off by the buyer and signed off by the seller. Um, you know, I've had, I've had some people that have agreed to it, but then the deals didn't go through. Uh, so I've never really actually done a dual agency uh, uh, one in my situation here, right. but at the same, but at the same time, at the same time, that isn't just something that you know is like done under the table. Uh, that all has to be signed off and uh, and above board with uh, the brokerage and with all the other parties involved. Yeah, and so I'm suing my wife for divorce. So let's um, let's pay uh, six. Let's pay full fright and have her lawyer represent me as well as represent her how do you represent the buyer and the seller how is that possible well uh, in many ways i mean look okay uh, i've got a house you want the house all right you want the house and it's like i'm asking let's say four hundred thousand dollars for the house okay so it's four hundred thousand dollars for the house you like it you like it and you say um i'll give you uh i'll give you 395 okay so then i take 395 to my client and i say look i know you're asking for they're offering three ninety five. Is that close enough? And I'm representing both sides. So what I'll do is I'll I will give you a, a break on my commission. You know that you would normally pay me since I'm hitting both ends. I'll give you a break on, on that commission so that uh, you know you're still ending up with uh, you know the money that you want, and they're happy because you're getting them for three ninety five, and I'm happy because I'm getting a nice commission. So. You know, I mean, no, 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 no. There's I, ways around it, this. I mean, there, you know, I mean, okay. I, I don't. No, there's no, I, 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 yeah. In that scenario, fine. There's a million other scenarios where I was selling a house, and I wouldn't want my buyer to know certain things 
about the conversations I had with my real estate agent. I wouldn't want the buyer or the agent working for the buyer to know that. You know, I have to sell. It's a divorce, whatever it is, right? Oh my goodness, there, there. You know, it's it, whatever, whatever the argument is, right? I mean, if that's the case, if 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 I if my agent can represent me and the buyer, I don't think they're representing either because they can't. Well, actually, actually, they can, and 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 if if you're if your agent, whether or not it's a dual agency or not, if your agent uh, is, is saying that oh, you're going through a divorce or uh, you know you, you got in trouble financially and you got to sell, if they're saying that sort of a thing, then they're not being a reputable agent because it's that's that's not. If I'm if I if I'm listing a house and another agent says why are they selling the house, they're selling the house because they're selling the house. I understand that, but if you're working for both you know that information and you're working for the buyer that's information the buyer should know if my agent knows why why does why does a buyer need to know if they're getting a divorce well because that could be information that could be helpful to making an offer on the house well then then in that situation look by the way by the way if you if you don't like you know, I mean, nobody's forcing anybody into a dual agency thing. So if you don't want to have a dual agency, then you go and you get your own agent. <clears throat> okay, fine. But I, okay, fine. But I, I just don't, I mean, again, I, I, there are some things, well, there are some things you can't, um, I don't know why anybody would ever want to have a dual agency. That doesn't make any sense. Um, you as an agent can't tell it doesn't come up that often. Well, it comes up often enough that that they got sued for one point eight billion dollars over the whole thing. I yeah. just think I just think it's fascinating that it happened in Kansas City. It's it's a class action lawsuit. It's one point eight billion dollars, and one of the largest um, uh, 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 one of the largest lobbying organizations, the National Association of Realtors, is. Um, you know, now every state's going to do it, right? These lawyers are like pariahs. All of a sudden they see, you know, class action lawsuits, get ready for every state to sort of jump in on this. Well, I mean, I do think it, I do think it will have a change, but if you take a look at the real estate uh, industry right now, as it is, what with Zillow and, you know, all the for sale by owners, uh, websites and stuff like that, the agent, the, the whole real estate business and the mortgage rates being what they are, the whole real estate business is changing uh, every day anyway. So, you know, I mean, a good agent has to stay on top of all the changes and, and deal with it. But, yeah, I mean, it, you know, the it's not it's not like it was, you know, 30 years ago. That's for sure. I mean, you know, every, everything is everything is changing. I mean, uh, you know, as far as like even with buyers, um, I don't have to, I don't look that much for houses for for my clients. But if they're a serious client, they're um, they're already looking on their own. They say, I want to see this house. So, I mean, I, I will send stuff to them and say, well, this sort of meets your criteria and they may or may not want to see it. But overall, overall, I would say nine times out of 10, um, you know, they're, they're sending me stuff and they want to see it versus uh, the stuff I send them. Well, you know, the other interesting thing is, is that I've heard agents say oftentimes they spend more time on a $200,000 house than a $2 million house. That's true. And and so you're getting paid 6% commission for a $2 million house. You're working not as hard on for a house that you paid $200,000 for. So that seems to be a little skewed as well. 
Ah, not really. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the, the job is you're supposed to super serve your client regardless of what the house is. Well, no, I, I understand it, but you're making 10 times the money for doing one-tenth of the work. Um, and, well, and that $2 million buyer is paying a significantly more money to an agent who isn't working as hard as they did for the $200,000 house. Well, on the other hand, if you're a lot of times, if you are dealing with those type of numbers, uh, you will give the uh, uh, the uh, the seller a break on the commission. Yeah, maybe. I mean, some no. people, but yeah. you know, not not everybody. No, well, no. That's the marketplace. That's the marketplace. And speaking well, of, speaking of the marketplace, saying. that's what they're saying. Know. It's collusion, so it's not the marketplace. See, well, that's that that we'll see what the appeals courts say. Uh, but uh, speaking about the marketplace, time for another quick break here on the Big Five Fifty KTRS. If you're listening on the podcast, we'll be right back with you. This is. Back in Millhaven, just saying on the Big 550 KTRS. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We are back. I'm Tom Beck in Omaha. He's McGraw Millhaven in New York. You know... We've talked. We've had some good conversations so far on this podcast, but um, uh, we we've really went out of our way to avoid some of the uh, the heavy news that's going on. You know, <laughs> it's like you look at some of this stuff, and it's like, oh dear God, you know. I mean, I I, I understand. I understand. Um, you know why people uh, uh, you know tune out the news. You know, that I, I think I, we have not talked about how the Texas Rangers are about to win the World Series. We have shied away from the more controversial topics of the day. I mean, I don't know what else to, I don't know what else to say about anything. Well, we talked about it last week. Yeah. Yeah, nothing's changed. Nothing really, nothing, yeah. nothing's changed, so. Nothing's changed. But you know, you mentioned the World Series. Uh I had nephews and, and that uh that uh, live in Phoenix. So they went to the, they went to the first home game. What was that? Uh Tuesday night? No, yeah. Monday night. Um they went to the first home game there in Phoenix where they lost and then they lost again uh Tuesday night. Uh so um yeah, by the time this podcast uh, airs, uh, the Texas Rangers could be the world champions, which um, is, uh, you know, eh, for uh, it, the, the scores have been sort of out of whack, too. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of ratings uh, Fox gets off of these uh, these World Series, if um, anybody really cares outside of Phoenix or Texas. I think the ratings story is why does the consumer care how many people are watching the World Series? Oh, the rating story? Yeah. 
what, 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 what I I'm either watching the world series and enjoying it, or I'm not paying attention to it and don't care. But, but, but why, why does, and I love these stories about how this is the, oh, this is the uh, least watched world series. What, what, why, why is that so pertinent to anyone other than somebody buying advertising? Why does that, why does the, why does the regular consumer or the person at home care that people are or are not watching the Super Bowl or the World Series? You know, I think on one hand, it's a thing that's like, you know, if 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 it's a if it's a show, and not just the World Series or anything, I think it's a thing where if the word gets out that you know this show is one of the most watched shows in America right now, your curiosity is peaked to go and want to watch it for yourself. I mean, um, you know, I mean that happens all the time with, um, you know, I read about some uh, some streaming uh, TV show, you know, and and. Uh, the um, people go and, uh, uh, you know, talk about it. It's like, oh, if everybody's watching this, let me see what they're talking about. I got into that. I got into that during uh, COVID, during the pandemic with what was the Tiger Lady or whatever the hell that one was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, okay, I, I get I get that. But, you know, but what about, hey, there's a Tiger Beat, the story on Netflix, no one's watching. I mean, that's not a story. Right? No one, no, okay, no one's watching it. That's nothing's happening. So who cares that no one's watching the World Series? It's the worst rated. If somebody, if it's if it's the highest ratings in the history of the World Series, okay, maybe that's a story. But I think it's pretty lazy or just sort of kicking a horse when it's down to just say, oh, no one's watching the World Series. That's that's all. Well, but you should like. I mean, the World Series games are are, are moving faster and they're starting earlier. Yeah. So you gotta like that because you always hated that before. I love it. I love it. I'd also like to. I don't know how much time we have. I lost track of the clock. Uh, I'd like to uh, dedicate today's podcast to Frank Howard, the Washington Senators uh, baseball player, former manager of the New York Mets, former first base coach for the New York Mets, Frank Howard. I'd like to. He passed away this week. And I know the news of Matthew Matthew Perry overshadowed Frank Howard, so I don't want him to go. Uh, unnoticed. I want to get the Matthew Perry thing in a second, but but you mentioned Frank Howard. Uh, I remember him as you know as a kid growing up. I remember him being a manager and all that. Um, uh, and then does, does it get to you sometimes when you remember these guys and then you hear you know dead and it was like it was like what eighty seven or something like that, right? I mean he was he was he, you know it's like how are the hell how are the hell can one of my childhood memories be that damn old? You know. <laughs> well, and then you're like, wait a minute. When he was a manager, he was forty eight, and you're like, wait, I'm fifty seven. He's younger than me when I remember him as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned Matthew Perry. Oh, by the way, you know, I mean, it appears. That he, um, uh, you know, beat all of his demons, and it appears that you know, I mean, it's, it's a tragedy. We'll find out more about cause of death and all that uh, when the uh, coroner's final report is out, which may be you know weeks from now. But with all the news on it and all the comments on social media and everything, I, I didn't realize he was that big of a deal. I mean, I I, I like Friends, I watch Friends, but I didn't realize it was that big of a deal. Oh, it was a it was a number one show for six years in a row. Yeah, but he was one of many on a show that hadn't aired for what twenty twenty five years or so. Oh no! Oh no! 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 Um, I mean, it's found a whole new life in syndication and on Netflix and generations afterwards. I mean, kind of like I missed Mash the first go around. I only know Mash from the reruns. I only know Brady Bunch from the reruns. A lot of people only know Friends from the reruns. Um, Friends was a 
was a, a cultural phenomenon and it was a time and place and it was huge. And he's, he's like, uh, you know, Lucille Ball was to past generations. He's like what Dick Van Dyke was. I mean, he is, and that show is in the pantheon of great, great television shows, whether you watched it or not, or liked it or not, you can't argue with its success. Well, no, very, very successful. I guess I just, I just, all these people that, you know, I mean, I, I, mean, I knew he's a big deal. I know it was a successful show and I, you know, and I liked the show and all that, but um, I guess I just didn't realize it was as big as, you know, he was as big a deal as, as he evidently is. And may he rest in peace. I mean, this is not casting any dispersions on him whatsoever, you know, but you yeah, mentioned, I, Dick, you mentioned Dick Van Dyke, which will be interesting because look, he's still kicking, you know, and uh, he's, you know, getting close to a hundred and all that. And, by the time when, when Dick Van Dyke, you know, as we all do someday, moves on, uh, when that happens, so many people in America won't even know who he is. I was uh, having lunch the other day with a friend, and she says that she's got a 19-year-old friend. Now, she's about, you know, our age and that, right? She's a 19-year-old friend who has no idea who Elton John is. So, you know, so at some point in time, I guess you almost have to die you almost have to die, like you know, at you know, sort of in your prime years there to get the attention, as opposed to um, you know, dying well, when you're uh, ninety-five and nobody remembers you. I don't know how many times someone has died, and I've gone back and like looked at their body of work and been like, man, I don't think people realized how good Glenn Campbell really was. Right? Oh. When Glenn Campbell died, I went back and looked at Glenn Campbell. I was like, man. I don't think people realize how much of a stud he was. And I mean, that, that happens quite a bit where you get rediscovered after you die. Uh, Glenn Campbell, Glenn Campbell was the bomb. Uh, oh my goodness. He was fantastic. Yeah. 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 And, and um, uh, they did a, um, a screening of the movie. What was the, what was the CNN movie about him? Uh, there, there, was, there was a documentary about him. Yeah. About him going through the Alzheimer's and all that yeah, stuff. And going out on stage and, and um, stuff. And they did a special screening of it here in, in Omaha. Uh, years ago, and I was invited to that special screening, and I had a chance to meet his widow, and uh, it was just a very touching, you know, moving thing. And it was, um, yeah, no, Glenn Campbell. I mean, you, I don't know how we got on this, but you talk about Glenn Campbell. He, um, he was uh, part of the Wrecking Crew, where he played guitar on some of the biggest hits of the of the sixties. You know, where I mean, he would play guitar on on stuff from. Uh, you know, the, and I, I don't have the list in front of me, but, you know, like like the Monkees records or whatever. Um, and he was uh, doing all of that. Uh, he was big friends with, you know, all the other members of the wrecking crew, you know, and, and, and just the Glenn Campbell Good Time Hour, his guitar playing, his singing, uh, the songwriting that he did. I mean, he picked some great songs with Jimmy Webb and also with John Hartford. Uh, so he picked some great songs. And uh, you're right, he was he was something else. Somebody else. And uh, and I know you and I've talked about this uh, off uh, the mic, but that somebody else that doesn't get the um, the recognition that they deserve for the job that they did, and that's Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra, who uh, and I, I mean I didn't realize it. I mean everybody knows the Yogiisms, right? It ain't over till it's over. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. You know all those things, right? But I didn't realize just the stats that he put up. Uh, as a catcher, and the stats he put up as a ball player, and there's a great documentary. It's now on Netflix. I saw it was in the theaters, but it's now on Netflix. Uh, said, uh, called "It Ain't Over," and if you got Netflix and you haven't seen it, and you're a baseball fan, treat yourself. Check it out. 
the Yogi Berra documentary, it ain't over. Yeah, his 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 character overshadowed how great he was on the field. Yeah. 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 No question about it. Um, yeah. Yogi, a proud uh, St. Louis uh, native going on to do great things. Anyway, uh, I got a great I got a great Yogi Berra story for you. Yeah. How much time do we have? Do we have any time? Yeah, we have time. Yeah. So um, a couple of years ago, it was announced that um, Tony LaRusso was inducted into the Hall of Fame. And leading up to that, everybody wanted to know, was he going to wear a Cardinal cap? Was he going to wear an A's cap? What was he going to wear? And he decided and said, look, out of respect for the Oakland A's, out of respect for the White Sox, and, and I, you know, I'm just not going to wear a cap on my bust in the Hall of Fame. And so people in St. Louis were a little miffed, you know, oh, hey, well, he's kind of sliding St. Louis because he's not going to wear a St. Louis Cardinal cap. But, you know, they sort of understood. And, he, you know, Tony being, you know, quirky and whatever it was what it was. So I did a little research and tried to figure out if there was any other baseball player who didn't have a cap. And I found out that Yogi Berra is, if not the only other one, the only other one not to have a cap on his bust in the Hall of Fame, which is weird because Yogi Berra only played for the Yankees. But, well, but he also managed the Mets. Um, but Yogi had a big beef. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but that wasn't, okay, So, but that's not why he did. So I called up the Yogi Berra mu- Museum in Montclair, New Jersey, and asked the question and got to the curator, and I said, I've noticed, you know, hey, I'm from St. Louis. I found out that, you know, Yogi doesn't wear a cap. Is there any reason why? And the curator for the for the museum goes, huh, I never noticed that. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> so Yogi Bear is the only other one who doesn't have a cap and no one knows why. <laughs> but I know he had a be- I know he had a beef with the Yankees and Steinbrenner, but that's he was he was in the Hall of Fame long, long before that that beef ever happened. No, was he okay? Yes, yeah, so I don't know, but um, yeah. yeah, but um, okay. Well, um, we're just about out of time. Before we go, uh, you were telling me um, with our podcast last week, somebody uh, called you and just told you that they, they couldn't stop laughing at what we we're talking about. Apparently, uh, there's a lot of J.P. Morgan fans out there. J.P. Morgan from the Gong Show who I just had a crush on and, uh, and you didn't understand why I had a crush on her, but um, I, I, uh, I still don't understand. Oh uh, yeah. No, she was, she'd be on that show and she, she wasn't wearing a bra. And by the way, by the way, she was sitting next to Jamie Farr. So by, you know, just by comparison, she's going to be the hot one, you know, I so, would agree. I would agree that JP Morgan is more attractive than Jamie Farr. And, yeah, okay. and I'll even throw in Alan Ludden too, while you're at it. <laughs> Speaking about old guys' names that the younger generation doesn't know. But uh, anyway, so uh, shout out to that listener. Shout out to all you that have gone this far, listened this far. Um, uh, if you are listening on the podcast or not even around listening on the radio right now, go to the podcast. We're on iHeart. We're on uh, Spotify. We're on iTunes. All the, all the places you get your major uh, podcasts. And uh, subscribe, like us. And uh, give us a listen. Uh, Every week we are here. I'm in Omaha. He's in St. Louis. Back in Millhaven, just saying thank you very much for your time. We are out of time. McGraw, until next time. Thank you for your time. (laughs) Bye-bye. We we really got to come up with a better, a better, more, um, 
uh, clothes, you know, something something more. Uh, All right, how about this? Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. So long. A Huda Media Production.